Welcome to this shifting moment. This is a podcast in which we're seeking a profound shift in the way that we react to things. We do that through weekly discussions and responses from some of the great thinkers and spiritual writers. And my name is Richard, and I'm a spiritual coach and a mindfulness teacher with over 20 years of experience in treatment and private practice. And my name is Josh, and I'm an ordained pastor and a writer with a history of directing spiritual communities. We want you to be a part of everything that we do. We look forward to hearing your thoughts and suggestions. Please contact us at 424-341-3860 and follow us on This Shifting Moment on Instagram and Facebook. The, the Painful Wound Our lives remind us constantly through competition and rivalry of the acute awareness of our own isolation. It promotes the potential for heightened anxiety and a pervasive search for community and connection, constantly aware of what friendships and relationships can offer us in the way of intimacy and belonging. We are what may seem like a never-ending search for what might satisfy this human longing. There are those who spend their lives trying to escape the feelings of isolation and sometimes even afraid to acknowledge loneliness for fear of judgment. Many seek therapies, institutions, group experiences, courses, and conferences where people can share common problems and experiment with more intimate connection. This is all an attempt to break through the immobilizing feelings of being lonely. The pain of loneliness can be incredibly deep and even confusing, but it can also provide a beautiful depth of self-understanding. Dutch priest and theologian and author Henry Nguyen says that the spiritual way of life does not take away our loneliness. It protects and cherishes it as a precious gift. We seem to do everything we can to avoid our confrontation with loneliness and allow ourselves to be held hostage by, by the belief that there are ways of avoiding an experience that is basic to all humanity. The emptiness we feel when we experience loneliness can be a source of destruction when it is misunderstood and a source of great self-intimacy when we are capable of tolerating its discomfort. We become faced with impatience, incompleteness, and feelings of separation that may cause us to relate to our world with devastating consequences. In the rooms of recovery, I've seen the fears that arise around isolation and separation, and it's understandable. These moments have the potential for dark outcomes. But I have also seen a failure to have a clear understanding and perspective on the distinction between aloneness and loneliness. There seems to be an unhealthy understanding of the value of being alone, of downtime. It creates a frantic rush to fix the feelings that arise for fear that they will consume us. Intentional solitude is a part of almost any spiritual journey, and it's important to learn to relate to it rather than to avoid it. We tend to ignore what we already know, that no love, no friendship, nor community will ever be able to satisfy our desire to be released from the human condition of loneliness. This is a painful truth, but our expectations that this is different 
has caused and may still cause a history of poor choices, believing that this is not true. We spend our lives thinking that if we just find the right situation, we can avoid this potentially painful wound experienced by mankind. False hope can lead to difficult outcomes, but shifting our perspective toward working patiently with intentional aloneness can provide a reward we might never have imagined possible. Solitude and silence bring us into an intimacy with our world, with God, and with our higher power that we may never have been have believed possible if we allow it. This is the deep connection that the painful wound of loneliness is leading us toward. Intimacy with ourselves and intimacy with something greater than ourselves. This is difficult work that should not be avoided. Mm. Yeah, that's that's great. That's what comes up for you as you read that, like after writing it and Yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those things that we've we've learned. And I think, you know, there's a couple of things about that to, to me. I think um I see this fear of of people being bored or lonely or isolation in particularly in the rooms of recovery that we're always trying to fix that we're always trying to fill it with something if we just do enough it's mm. it's almost like we're addicted we become addicted to distracting ourselves from mm. isolation and aloneness mm. and you know i i talked about this in in a gr- group environment when i was at one of my meetings and it no i you know i was just talking <laughs> and i'm like nobody wanted to hear it and uh, not that I'm right or anything like that. I'm just, no, that was it's, just it's my perspective. It's a fascinating point because, yeah, I mean, I, speaking from a, a guy who just had to go through that, <laughs> you do get thrown a lot of like, mm-hmm. you know, one, never be alone. Two, like isolation is a complete enemy. And that's like isolating. But the, your reading brings up that point. There's a difference between being alone and then intentionally isolating yourself and walling yourself off from. Exactly. Everyone. I really think that most of the hard work that I had to do in recovery had to be done alone, like it in an alone sort of like state of like, I'm going to actually have to face myself. <laughs> and to do that, mm-hmm. I have to spend some time wrestling with myself, which equals aloneness, right? Not yeah. loneliness or isolation, but intentionally placing myself in a space exactly. where it's like, I need to be alone with myself and my not necessarily my thoughts, but just myself so that I can work through yeah. these things. And yeah, I, I know I always, it was always, I was always directed. It's like, am I running away from something mm. or am I running towards something? That's, that's it. Right. And, and I think a lot of the advice that we get in early recovery can be just distraction oriented, right? Just keep yourself busy. <laughs> Don't let yourself ever have a break, you know, all that. But I, I was just having this discussion with someone. Um, I don't know why it came up, but they were uh, they were suggesting that I, you know, invite people that I'm working in recovery with to be of service. At like I have a job at a church, right? So, um, and that job involves a lot of service. Like there's a lot of volunteer positions. There's a lot of everything. And they're like, well, that's just like the perfect way to get sober. It's just like invite these people over to be of service. And I was like, yeah. But then on the other hand, like 
like your whole life can't be like every invitation into sobriety can't be you're going to be like working and serving someone else <laughs> I was like you need mm-hmm. you also need moments of like i get to be served i get like i work hard so i get to go on a vacation i get to you mm-hmm. know do things where in certain situations i get pampered rather than having to mm-hmm. be the grunt person doing something for someone else being of service doesn't necessarily mean we're you know, we're, we're taking a lesser than position in life. It just means uh, I'm doing something that actively fills me up and helps other people. Right. And that could look like anything. (laughs) Again. And I think it's, it's our desire to be of service. It's other centered thinking rather than self-centered thinking. So you can't tell somebody to care about somebody else. Mm, mm. That's a huge point. (laughs) That's a huge point. Like, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. It's like you have you have to this and this is the work that recovery brings us to. This is to me, I think it's the shift in character that happens. I'm able to open my heart to the experience that other people are having. And when I open my heart to the, the experience that other people that I believe other people are having because I've been there, I am motivated to be of service to them. You know, to help them walk through difficult moments. But, you know, and and so we got to be careful because we don't want to let that be. When I say a yes to you and it's a no to me, I'm devaluing and that's where the balance comes comes in. And honestly, to- that could probably cause resentment on the other side, right? Which is like the enemy of everything. <laughs> so like if I'm if I'm saying no to myself and yes to you all the time, there's going to be a moment where I go, you know what? I'm not going to hang out with Bob anymore because Bob just takes, <laughs> you know, and that's, it, it, that's huge. And so yeah. it, it, we got to be careful. We are getting sober so that we can go out into the world and be of service, but it has to come from from our heart you know it has to become because we do care because we do want to find something that's meaningful and purposeful in our lives and that is a really important piece of recovery or any healing journey i don't even think it's just recovery and so but we can't go out and be of service to other people unless we're capable of being of service to ourselves it's what you and i've talked about with the values those values start with us if i'm going out into the world to be kind to somebody or to be of service to somebody so that I can feel good without being of service to myself. I'm, I'm doing business. I'm in transactional that's, behavior. That's transactional. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. And you know, and so, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm, I'm ignoring my own needs, you know, um, we, at least we run the risk of, of doing that uh, be, because yeah. And so I, I think this idea of aloneness and loneliness is a really important piece on any healing journey. I mean, you really look at the great men and women throughout time that they gravitated to these quiet moments alone so they could listen to the heart, you know, um, and that was, it was sometimes the only way to allow our our thinking to begin to soften and to begin to level out is going to be through intentional aloneness. And, and you can, there, there are paths and streams of spiritual traditions that you can also like, like run into that will have that built in. So like contemplation Mm -hmm. and the mystical sort of Mm -hmm. tradition, Judaism has its own track for that. Almost 
every world path has its own track for that. But the the point is like, like I remember Richard Rohr talking about this. I listened to him once and he said um, when he comes back from contemplation, so he would go, you know, and he's a, <laughs> he's like a, a monk father, like, you know, holy mm-hmm. person. And he has space in his schedule to do this. So this isn't for everybody, but he would go for like two or three week retreats in which he would just spend in silence and he would spend it alone mm-hmm. in the desert. Right. Um, just listening to God or the universe or his higher power. And then he would come back. And I remember the quote that he said when he comes back from that space is, I don't need any more books. I don't need any more lectures. I don't need any more retreats. I don't need any more fancy thematic experience, whatever it might be. He's like, it's only contemplation. That is the only Mm -hmm. thing that matters. And to be able to kind of come to that space, you know, that that's, that's kind of contrary <laughs> to what a lot of like recovery would say, right? Like to, to be alone with yourself is somehow the enemy. And I get it. Like there are certain times you just, you do need people around you, but mm-hmm. I think to come into a place of health and like almost like a sign of maturity is being able to like say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to experience something for myself mm-hmm. on my own. And, you know, maybe doing that with, with a purpose in mind might be helpful so that you have something to fall back on and you can kind of keep yourself on track. But, like that like, contemplation piece is is such a heavy part of every every faith leader or or spiritual person that I admire or look up to mm-hmm. has a practice built in where that's like so, number one. <laughs> it's you know? so important, and that's to me. I think that's, but I think it's also really important to recognize that um, if we're really looking at loneliness, no matter no matter how much contemplation you do, no matter how much spiritual work you do we are all subject to feeling a sense of loneliness and it's it's that is that wound and um we again we could seek intentional aloneness forever as a spiritual as a spiritual work but i think we also have to be aware of that doesn't that doesn't cancel out the possibility of feeling the woundedness of actual of real loneliness you know, and I think that's I think that's what I love about this reading and the thing by the reading by Henry Newman, and he talks about and that, that's yeah. If you that, read Henry Newman, that's his number one thing is his struggle with loneliness and the, and I mean he's a contemplative monk and still struggled with this idea of aloneness, lone loneliness in particular. Like, do mm-hmm. I fit anywhere? And finding his place in the world and, it, and all of that. It cu- it comes back to the spiritual question of who am I? And it's this mm-hmm. self-reflection. And yes, we are all a part of the community, but we are also individuals who experience the full range of human emotions, including the sense of um, alienation and isolation. I, you know, I've worked during the course of working, I've worked with a lot of a lot of famous people have been very fortunate who had crowds and crowds of people around them. And one of the common things that was most prevalent in my sitting with them was their, um, their, their feelings of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause your life just gets so small. Like you just there's, can't. Yeah. There's, there's their experience of life is so separate from what everybody else's experience of life is. And that's what this reading talks about. No number of people, no relationship, no, no anything is going to fix this wound of, of loneliness. It's an experience. It has nothing to do with being around people. It has nothing to do with not being engaged with people. You could be in a crowded room and feel incredible alone, loneliness. 
And and our need to fix that loneliness, like the reading says, can lead to devastating consequences if we don't have a right relationship mm. to that loneliness. That loneliness is part of what it means to be a human being. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think there's something to be said too about like a, a lot of the reasons we reach for a drink is mm-hmm. completely around this idea mm-hmm. of I'm all alone. It's never going to get better. Right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I'm alone and I'm always going to be this way is kind of the thought that that creeps in. And so when we reach for that drink, I think what's interesting about that is it's not that I'm reaching for a friend or anything like that, but what I'm reaching for is maybe the promise of meaning in some kind of a way. Even if I'm alone mm-hmm. right now, maybe I'll make this mean something. If I mm-hmm. if I drink myself into oblivion, or so, it'll it'll be meaningful in some kind of a way. Mm-hmm. The truth is, like that meaning has to come from outside of yourself anyway. So that's an interesting sort of like dichotomy that you need to find that meaning that meaning in community connection all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but also like like that allows you to be able to withdraw and be in an alone space and be okay with that right i think um it's good friday so i can bring this up but like <laughs> i think that if you look at jesus as just a human being and and the way that he lived his life he was constantly surrounded by people so he had like 12 guys that were fought no other <laughs> you have 12 dudes mm-hmm. following you around no showers it's going to be a very intimate experience um, but if you look at his rhythms and patterns, it was, he's always with people and he's active and he's right there with you. But as soon as he's not, he's going off up onto a mountain or a hill to be completely alone and detached because honestly, that's what that rhythm needs, right? If we're always interfacing with people and we're always there, you have to have this balance of, okay, now I go and I recharge or I go and I, mm-hmm. I think I contemplate, I, I work with the stuff that has been filling my life all this time. Um, and I think, yeah, that's that's also part of a spiritual practice is is being it's able so, to yeah, journal that's, those things out, talk with, you know, talk to yourself about what you've experienced, you know, all those things that's, need to happen. That's yeah, that's that self-reflection, self-understanding, uh, that insight that we get from uh allowing our thoughts to kind of settle a little bit and maybe begin to listen to the heart. I mean, it's it's so important. I think it's it's pervasive in our world today that we avoid a lot of that stuff because heaven forbid we start thinking about ourselves too much, and our our concern is that we get into compare. And that's what this reading talks about in the very beginning. It talks about that our lives remind us constantly through competition and rivalry of the acute awareness of our own isolation. Mm. And that can only get amplified in a world mm-hmm. where social media is so prevalent. So a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, when you're feeling lonely and you go to Instagram or something, that's just going <laughs> to, it's like pouring gasoline on a flame Yeah, because you're, yeah, you're comparing yourself. You're, uh, you're saying, look at all these people who are having such a good time. And FOMO is a huge part of that, right? Like just it, but- it really, it really is. And then it's, it would go to what about me, you know, and that's, and to me, I think if, if, if you go into that environment and you, because you've done some contemplation and re- reflection, and if you, if you, and the values work, I think is really important. If you know who you're bringing into the room, if you know who you are, if you have a, a strong sense of self, not an ego, not in an ego way, but you kind of have some self-understanding, you kind of know who you are, you're going to be less likely to feel to feel like you're waiting for people in the room to tell you who you are or who you're not. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, that's really fascinating. I mean, I think back to like, as a kid, I was the new kid a lot because I moved around mm -hmm. everywhere I went. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there was there's a there was a feeling of I need somebody here to tell, tell me, me I'm how okay. I fit. <laughs> tell me, tell me I'm okay. Tell me I fit in. Tell me, give me, give me some, give me some validation, some feedback that that. And that I, I'm... I see that all over the place. I, I think that that's whenever I see someone with a ridiculous car, like a car mm -hmm. that nobody should be driving. It's just like hundreds of thousands of dollars. I look and I go, ah, there's a validation issue there, right? Or, or I just, you know, you see someone who's just too loud and they never shut up <laughs> there's a validation mm -hmm. issue there right it's just it, it, there's a sadness to that because you see someone who just does not know or really deeply care about who they truly are right and mm -hmm. i love that idea of you saying like you have to find that i think when you're a grounded and rooted person um and that's not ego that's just out of practice and contemplation mm -hmm. and, and doing these rhythms then yeah there's less anxiety around social situations or or new friends you know whatever that might be you mm -hmm. already have checked in with yourself and you know what you're looking for you know what you need you know what you want and you don't need to find that from someone else or something else because um, that can always I, just be changing <laughs> i would love to hear um from anybody who's in our audience i would love to hear about what their thoughts are and about about loneliness and if they've had some experience in recovery about people's fears of being alone and a lot of them are justified you know i mean they, they really are i mean you leave people alone in early recovery and they can spin out of control and and i i'm a big proponent of the value of community but we've got to be careful um well that, and yeah there's a there's a codependency thing there that i think has to be mm -hmm. named is in there's a healthy way to be in community and to be together with people. And then mm -hmm. there's an unhealthy way, which is that I'm completely dependent on this group of people. And if I dare step out of it for one second, I'll lose my spot. <laughs> it, know, it, that, it, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think you're exactly right. You can feel alone in a crowded space or you can feel lonely in a crowded space. I think the other side is true too, where you can feel alone in a crowded space and you can completely be with yourself be. and just in your, in your body and in present mm -hmm. with yourself. And that's the kind of ground of this we're looking for. You it, know, it, like, and it, it takes practice. It takes real practice to be able to find that level of, of, of peace from within that you can bring in, you can bring the peace with you wherever you go. Um, it, it's always available. It's always available. But if we do a lot of the work, a lot of the, meditation practice contemplation practice some of the prayer work and maybe even you know this the seeking that they talk about in a lot of the spiritual traditions of reading and exploring what that really means and engaging in some some of those daily practices we can learn to find that peace within us uh, if we're patient and so we can ultimately bring it into any situation wow. yeah you want to take us out on that reading there? Because I think that's just perfect. <laughs> the painful wound. Our lives remind us constantly through competition and rivalry of the acute awareness of our own isolation. It promotes the potential for, the potential for heightened anxiety and a pervasive search for community and connection. Constantly aware of, what, aware of what friendships and relationships can offer us in the way of intimacy and belonging, 
We are on what may seem like a never-ending search for what might satisfy this human longing. There are those who spend their lives trying to escape the feelings of isolation and sometimes even afraid to acknowledge loneliness for fear of judgment. Many seek therapies, institutions, group experiences, courses, and conferences where people can share common problems and experiment with more intimate connection. This is all an attempt to break through the immobilizing feelings of being lonely. The pain of loneliness can be incredibly deep and even confusing, but it can also provide a beautiful depth of understanding. Dutch priest, theologian, and author Henry Nguyen says that the spiritual way of life does not take away our loneliness. It protects and cherishes it as a precious gift. We seem to do everything we can to avoid our confrontation with loneliness and allow ourselves to be held hostage by, by the belief that there are ways of avoiding an experience that is basic to all of humanity. The emptiness we feel when we experience loneliness can be a source of destruction when it is misunderstood and a source of great self-intimacy when we are capable of tolerating its discomfort. We become faced with impatience, incompleteness, and feelings of separation that may cause us to relate to our world with devastating consequences. In the rooms of recovery, I've seen the fears that arise around isolation and separation, and it's understandable. These moments have the potential for dark outcomes. But I've also seen a failure to have a clear understanding and perspective on the distinction between aloneness and loneliness. There seems to be an unhealthy understanding of the value of being alone, downtime. It creates a frantic rush to fix the feelings that arise for fear they will consume us. Intentional solitude is a part of almost any spiritual journey, and it's important to learn to relate to it rather than avoid it. We tend to ignore what we already know, that no love, nor friendship, nor community will ever be able to satisfy our desire to be released from the human condition of loneliness. This is a painful truth, but our expectations that this is different has caused and may still cause a history of poor choices, believing that this is not true. We spend our lives thinking that if we just find the right situation, we can avoid this potentially painful wound experienced by mankind. False hope can lead to difficult outcomes, but shifting our perspective toward working patiently with intentional loneliness can provide a reward we might never have imagined possible. Solitude and silence bring us into an intimacy with our world, with God, and with our higher power that we may never have believed possible if we allow it. This is the deep connection that the painful wound of loneliness is leading us toward. Intimacy with ourselves and intimacy with something greater than ourselves. This is difficult work that should not be avoided.